leadership is about meaningfully involving others in reaching the destination. Hmm. In other words, leadership is about team. It's not about doing it by yourself, but it's, it's about involving others. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Today on my podcast, I have none other than Bob TD. He is here, and I am so thrilled. And guess what he did? Look at this. If you're watching the video, look what he sent me. All these goodies. people. So we're going to talk about all these books and recordings that Bob has done. So I'm so excited. Uh, he's been on the staff of for 50 years, and he served on the U.S. leadership development team. So Bob is no joke, people. His blog, leadingwithquestions.com, is now in its ninth year, and don't miss this, it is followed by leaders in over 190 countries. So this guy is global. He's worldwide. And Bob is the author of four popular books, which I just held up and showed to you. We'll make sure that they're up on the screen, uh, including Great Great Leaders Ask Questions. And now that's a great question. Bob and his wife, Sherry, live in Plano, Texas. Oh, I want to be a Texan. I get to have big hair, wear (laughs) scarves and brooches, and eat Tex-Mex every day of your life. And our proud parents of four adults, all married children, with and they are super proud grandparents of seven remarkable grandchildren. Please welcome a round of applause for Bob Heedy. Hello, Bob. How are you? Nicole, I am fantastic. I've been so looking forward to this time with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. You might have seen on social media, everybody, that Bob, he uh, he got a little goodie box from me in the mail, and then he like took a picture. So check out what he's got. He's got his Vibrant Leadership Podcast Yeti, and he's sipping some coffee right now. Check him out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so grateful you're here. Well, let's start out with my favorite question, which is, how does Bob define leadership? Nicole, I, I love that question. My definition would be uh, leadership is about meaningfully involving others in reaching the destination. Hmm. In other words, leadership is about team. It's not about doing it by yourself, but it's, it's about involving others. As you would guess, even from the name of my blog, it's, it's leading, leadership is leading with questions. That's how you involve others. You say, Nicole, what do you think we might do? to reach the goal. And uh, and you involve others, and and that way a leader is hearing not just their own thoughts, but they're hearing the thoughts of the whole team. Yeah, and that's how we get the genius out of the team. I mean, that's why you hired these people to help you think about things, right? Exactly. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I love the part where you said meaningful. Will you just kind of tap on that a little bit? Meaningful, what do you mean by, what do you mean by meaningful anyway? Oh, Nicole, you are great at asking questions. You picked up on that <laughs> word. For me, in other words, um, there's sometimes you could be just using something that you say, okay, th- this kind of makes people feel good. And it's, it's almost like manipulation. But when it's meaningful, it's like when I'm curious about what people think. I'm curious about the ideas that my team has on how we could reach the goal faster, better, that kind of thing. And so that curiosity means that when you ask, you genuinely want to hear. You're not just asking to make them feel good, but you're, you're asking. 
And, and then you're listening. You're listening to their ideas. And so many times, a leader, when you ask a whole team ideas, you will hear ideas better than what you thought. Or as collaboration starts, they build on each other. And the end product, sometimes you would say, if somebody said, now, who came up with that? You'd pause and think, the team. It, it, we were building on each other. It was like none of us could actually claim, yep, that was completely my idea. You know, Bob shared and Nicole said, hey, I like that. But if we also did and say, wow, yeah, that thing, you know, and I'm thinking and over here, Joe says, and we could also do. And suddenly you've got an incredible idea because the leader was willing to ask and then listen and build. And, and to me, that's the meaningful part. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. So um, we've uh, talked about this question a little bit already, but the question is, what are the most important skills of a successful leader? So obviously asking really great questions. And then if you ask a question, you better be ready to listen to the answer. So could you kind of elaborate on what other skills you see that leaders really need to work on? Those are the two biggies, and we're going to get into them deep, deep. But what else do you think? Absolutely. When you ask people about the best leader they've ever had, they almost always include listening. He or she was a great listener. Uh, I think another skill is just curiosity. It's curiosity that, that motivates you to ask questions of, of what do you think and, and many others and then listen. And so the, the skill of, of curiosity. I, I also uh, am a huge fan of Strength Finder and uh, the whole concept that our greatest potential for growth is actually to focus on developing our strengths, not overcoming weaknesses. And so I think a leader who does two things, first of all, knows their own strengths and focuses on developing those, but also understands that for their whole team. And so you're looking at your whole team and you're wanting to know what are their strengths how can we make use of those strengths? And, and uh, in a sense where we have everybody working in their area of strength and that together the team is well-rounded because you get everybody in their strength. Uh, you know, football would be a, a classic example, but when we look around our conference table, based on body size, we can't automatically see where somebody's strengths are. But, but on a football team, I mean, you want, a quarterback who's strong at that. But if you were to take the quarterback and duplicate that person, you know, uh, clone them 21 times, so every player, offense and defense, would be an exact replica of the quarterback, that team would never win. Because while he is a great quarterback, most quarterbacks are terrible at tackling or blocking. Most of them could never kick a field goal but nor do we want them to do those things. We want other players who are the linemen, the wide receivers, the running backs, the specialists, it's a field goal kicker. So another thing of leadership is focusing on that. And, and Nicole, what excites me is that when somebody's working in their area of strength, they're often three to 10 times more productive than when they're working in an area that's not a strength. Now, we can all do anything, but if I'm asked to do something outside my strengths, it requires a lot of energy, a lot of focus, determination. 
but in my area of strengths, it just flows. And, and uh, Nicole, kind of a secret, two Ooh, secrets here, is when you let somebody work in the area of strength, they actually think they've kind of conned the organization. It's kind of like if everybody knew how easy this is for me and how much fun this is, they might not want to pay me. But the other secret is, Nicole, how much more do you have to pay people if you let them work in their area of strength? Nothing. You don't have to pay them any extra, right? Now, now of course, pay people fairly. But what I'm saying is oh. when you let somebody work in their area of strength, it's like they love it. When they're thinking about should I leave, assuming they're being paid fairly, they think, no, I get to do what I love here. And, and so that's a, a whole important leadership thing. And, and then another thing I'm, I'm excited about is from the Covey Group, the four disciplines of execution. And, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. There's a quote, I think, from Harvard Business Review that 90% of all strategic plans fail because of poor execution. And, and of course, our MBA programs focus on a lot on strategic planning, not very much on execution. And that's why the Covey organization, when they focused on the four disciplines of execution, because at the end of the day, it's not the plan if it doesn't get executed. The thing that's valuable is actually landing that plane on the deck and in uh, reaching those goals. So, Nicole, those would be some of mine. Oh, those are fantastic. Yeah. So he's giving you a couple of things you need to go read, which is you need to get the Strengths Finder book. Uh, you need to get to the back of that rip out your little uh, coupon to take the assessment online if you haven't done this work so far. Fantastic. So it's a little bit of a self-assessment. You know, Bob, I have a coaching methodology called Shine and the first, the S is self-assessment. So uh, I'm hearing that you also believe in self-assessment. And then the, the excellent leader takes what that person has in their strengths, as Bob just said, and puts them to work. Okay. So you might want to write that down, figure out the strengths of my whole team, buy a book for everybody, get that on your list. Also, don't forget to buy Bob's book. Well, hold on, Bob. We don't even buy your book, do we? We don't. We talk about what people can get from all these goodies. We talk about that for a quick skinny second. Well, my blog, leadingwithquestions.com, and all of my books are free ebooks. Go there and uh, request to download one, two, three, or all four. Two of them are also audiobooks. Now, uh, great leaders ask questions, and now that's a great, uh, and then leaders, gosh, I get mixed up on my own title here. Great here, leaders. I got them up here on the screen. Great leaders ask questions. <laughs> Downloadable great. is free MP3 audiobooks. And then uh, everything's available in Spanish, also simplified in traditional Chinese, French, and uh, Polish and so on Portuguese will be available. That is fantastic. Again, this guy is global. I totally love it. I totally love it. Well, yeah, um, so I think all of those skills that you talked about are absolutely essential. Uh, execution is definitely where it's at. Um, I know that in this book, now that's a great question. Uh, you share that uh, you make you know, a confession in here. Is that correct? Will, will you will you confess to the whole world on this podcast, the confession you made in the book? Uh, 
Nicole, someone once said, you know, confession is good for the soul and bad for the reputation, but I'll risk it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. We'll, first, we'll, we'll love you anyways. The first chapter of Now That's a Great Question is a confession. And the confession is that for most of my career, I was a benevolent dictator. And, uh -oh. and I share this for several reasons. First of all, uh, you know, some of your listeners, or whenever I speak, I sense some people think, well, Bob must just naturally have the DNA of leading with questions. And so, you know, of course, that comes easy. But the DNA that I actually have, sometimes I also share that I'm a charter member of TA. And people say TA, and, and they haven't heard of it. And I said, well, maybe you've heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, TA is Tellers Anonymous. We go to our meetings and I stand <laughs> up and introduce myself. My name's Bob, I'm a teller. Now that's my, my natural DNA. And, and of course that's fictitious, but after I speak, usually there's several audience members that come up and say, Bob, I'm also a charter member of TA. Well, most of my career, I'm a benevolent dictator because not out of evil intent, but my only paradigm of leadership was that a leader needs to direct his or her staff on what to do, i.e. a leader needs to tell staff what to do. Now, the benevolent part came, I, Nicole, I grew up in a home where I was taught to say please and thank you. So if you yeah, me too. staff, Nicole, I would have never said, Nicole, go do this. I would have said, Nicole, you know, this week we're working on such and such, and it would be really great if you could please do this. And, and when you did, I expressed appreciation, Nicole, thank you, fantastic job. Or at the next staff meeting, Nicole, stand up. You all need to hear what Nicole did. Thank you, Nicole. And, and I don't want to suggest that that was like totally ineffective. We got a lot of things done, but in 2006, I discovered a book. Nicole, perhaps like you, I eat books for breakfast. And, yes. uh, and you know, we buy a lot of books. And, and uh, I didn't realize when I bought Leading with Questions by Dr. Michael Marquardt that it would forever change my leadership and actually set even a new direction for my leadership. But as I read that book for the first time in my life, I saw another paradigm of leadership. And that is that a leader who leads with questions, and, and the book was filled with stories and questions that you could use. And uh, it was like, why hasn't anyone ever shared this with me? I, I began right. to teach out of the book and uh, great response. I was ready on our leadership development team. And uh, a few years later in 2012, when I decided to start a blog and get into social media, I asked, well, Nicole, I didn't want to do just another leadership blog. There'd have been nothing wrong with that. But I asked myself the question, was there a niche of leadership I could blog on? And as soon as I had that question, it was like, well, of course, it'd be something to do with this leading with questions. So that's the confession. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so even a dictator can get turned around. All right. So that's great news. Okay. Some people say my boss will never change. But what I just heard is if maybe you go to Bob Petey's website and get his books. You could gift them to your leader. That'd be an awesome thing to do. Great idea. Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So um, you talk about 30 seconds. It's possible to learn to ask good questions in 30 seconds. Is that what your claim is in the book? Nicole, that is. You know, again. And tell me about that. Yeah. And so not only can you give them the book, but you can, you can teach them to ask good questions in 30 seconds. Let's hear about this. Right now. For, for you, Nicole, I know you do ask great questions, but, uh, you know, whenever I speak, I have a sense from the audience that a lot of people would like to learn to lead with questions, but they imagine they'd have to go get a master's degree in questionology. You know, it's kind of like a nice idea, but, you know, being a brain surgeon and making lots of money would be a nice idea, but probably not going to happen for most of us. And so I love to ask the audience, who here would like to learn to lead with questions in 30 seconds? Nicole, almost every hand goes up. I see Nicole's hand. And if you're in the audience, I say, Nicole, come on up here. So uh, here we go. And then once you're up, I, I go back to the audience and say, does someone have a watch with a second hand to be our timer to see if we can actually get this done in 30 seconds? So you got that too. I do. And, and then, Nicole, I say to, in your case, Nicole, I say, you know, I picked you out of the audience because I sense you have a photographic memory. All you're going to have to do is to hear my four favorite questions one time and you'll have them memorized. Now, often they look a little nervous, like I don't think I have a photographic memory, but I say, <laughs> trust me, I think you do. I say, timer, are you ready? Here we go. Nicole, here's my first favorite question what do you think? Second, what else? Third, what else? Fourth, what else? Nicole, do you have a memorized? <laughs> I do. Can you share them with us? I can. Uh, my question is, Bob, what do you think? What else? What else? And what else? Did wow, I do well? There you go. Yay. And usually the Usually the timer says we got it done in about 20 seconds. So we beat That's 30. right. And then I, I follow this by saying, you know, audience members, I see some of you are just a little skeptical. Like you can't ask somebody, what do you think? What else, what else, what else? And I said, well, of course not in that rapid fashion, but, but you're asking a, a staff member one-on-one, -on -one, hey, what do you think we might do about? And it's some topic. And then you listen. And when they pause, you say, wow, what else? And Nicole, you know, so often when anybody asks us, hey, what do we think? We instinctively roll out kind of that first answer to see how they treat it. And if I ask Nicole, hey, what do you think about? And you roll out that first answer. And I say, well, Nicole, that's stupid. Everyone knows that. You're sorry you answered it all. <laughs> but when that's I That's for sure. Wow, what, what else? You'll give me more. And when you pause again and I say, Nicole, I, I'm taking notes. Please continue. This is so good. What else? And you'll give me more. And what I found is that it's actually when you ask the third and fourth question that you get to their gold nugget, their very best thought. And Nicole, when I, when I begin to realize this, I realized that so often, even when I had asked somebody, what do you think? And listen to that first answer, but I never asked what else, that often I bet I was like that proverbial gold miner who mined all his life, got within six inches of the gold vein and quit. 
It's like, don't stop mining. Ask that what else and what else. And, and, you know, when, when somebody asks us a question and we give that first answer and they say, wow, this is good. What, what else? Well, we kind of relax. We, we appreciate that they're appreciating our thinking and, and we'll give them more. And uh, back to learning to lead in 30 seconds for a leader who's always been a teller. If in their next meeting, one-on-one with a staff member or the next meeting at their conference table with the whole team, whatever the issue on the table is, if they'll just lean forward and say, hey, what do you think we might do about? And then listen. And when there's the pause, wow, what else? And a pause and what else? Well, that leader truly will be moving from a teller to learning to lead with questions in 30 seconds. And, and uh, that those four questions, Nicole, are my absolute four favorite questions. Mm, I absolutely love it. All right. So I hope you people are taking notes. You know, Nicole is all about taking the notes. So uh, please write that down. Again, go to Bob's website, download these uh, the book. Uh, let me hold it up again. Now, that's a great question. It's right in here. Everything he's talking about. Really important. Okay. So in another chapter, you talk about learning to listen in eight seconds. So now we're going from 30 to eight. You have, so far, we have a 38-second investment in this whole thing. So I know all of you listening can do this. Bob, tell me about that. Well, Nicole, is there a sport? When you think of eight seconds, does that bring up any sport in your mind? You talked about wanting to be a Texan and uh, – Big hair, cowboy boots. Ah, bull riding. Is it bull, bull riding? riding? You got it. You got it. And and even for somebody who's not a fan, if you've ever, you know, just flipped channels and stayed there a little bit, a bull rider to have a qualified ride has to stay on the bull for eight seconds. And, and eight seconds could seem to us like such a short time, but to a bull rider, it's an eternity. And if you watch the sport at all, you realize that like 80% of the bull riders are knocked off in less than eight seconds. And Nicole, we're talking about professional bull riders, not Nicole or Bob trying to get on a bull. We're too smart to do that. But they get knocked off. Well, you're wondering, where am I going with this? Well, here's what's really fascinating. When we ask questions, most of us will only wait two or three seconds for an answer. And if the other person doesn't answer our question in two or three seconds, we will either re-ask the question, ask a different question, answer the question ourselves, or just move on. And the curious thing is with no self-awareness of what we've just done. Because you see, to wait eight seconds would seem like an eternity. We're kind of like that bull rider. That silence knocks us off. And so the key to being a better listener is to ask your question and then, you know, keep comfortable eyesight, not intense, just comfortable. Relax and count to yourself silently. One thousand, one, one thousand, two. Nicole, there's times I've gotten to one thousand thirty. But the longer your silence, the better their answer. Now, of course, it depends on the question. If I was at your office, said Nicole, which way to the men's room? Well, you would answer that in two or three seconds. But if I said, Nicole, I'm curious, 
What might you say is one of, has been one of your greatest failures that led to one of your greatest successes? If you've never been asked that question before, it's unlikely that you'd begin to answer in two or three seconds. But if I'll give you the gift of silence and just relax and wait in eight, 10, 15 seconds, somewhere in there, Nicole will begin to answer and I will get a great gift of wisdom of hearing the story of a failure that led to a success. And uh, so there's the principle. Ask your question, give them the gift of silence, count to yourself those eight seconds or more. Yes, it'll feel like an eternity, but stay on that bull. <laughs> Don't let silence knock you off. I absolutely love it. Okay, I totally agree. Yeah, you've got to create space. And I'm also kind of hearing you say, like, create a safe space uh, for people to, to be vulnerable, right? So I'm not, uh, before I even start considering this very powerful question you've asked me, I'm going, is this safe for me to share? I mean, I got to get past my fear of sharing. First, that takes at least five seconds or more. So I, I love that. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so um, we talked about Lead With Questions. It's in multiple languages. Um, have uh, questions that you, you've picked up along the way. If that's what you've put together in your book, the uh, let's see, Great Leaders Ask Great Leaders ask Questions, or do you have a list of questions that people could use in their conversations with people at work? Well, I do. In, in this book, there's over 100. The subtitle is a Fortune 100 list. Now, Nicole, rather than just here's a list of 100 questions, wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But uh, I find lists of questions all by themselves. It may just be Bob's perspective. But to me, it's a little book like a little bit like laying out the ingredients for making chocolate chip cookies on the counter. Yep, there's all the ingredients. But uh, what motivates me to eat a chocolate chip cookie is when Nicole bakes them and they're coming out of the oven and it's like, Nicole, can I have one or, or, or more? And what I found does that with questions is store, the story behind the question or about the question or how the question's used. So all 100 questions in this book are wrapped in little stories that give them context. And uh, I mean, an example, Captain D. Michael Abershoff, one of our Navy commanders, when he took over command of the USS Benfold, one of our modern warships, however, the Navy ranks morale of some three or 400 Navy vessels we have, morale on the USS Benfold was the lowest of all ships when he took over. 18 months later, morale on that ship remeasured was the highest of all ships in the Navy. And upon taking command, the first thing Captain Abershoff did was to have 300 15-minute meetings with 300 sailors on that ship, one-on-one, -on -one, and he asked them three questions. Nicole, have I created enough curiosity that you'd like to know what the three questions were? Absolutely. And this is a book, correct? I think yeah, I've read this book. book. Nicole, you'll love this because you'll have these memorized as soon as you hear them. All right. He asked his sailors one-on-one, -on -one, what do you like best about this ship? What do you like least? What would you change if you could? And he listened. 
And uh, perhaps at the end of the first day, maybe he'd only had 10 to 20 of these meetings. He had a lot of meetings left to go, but there was a buzz on the ship. The new captain's different. He actually wants to know what we think. And then, Nicole, it didn't take long, and he's hearing things, and he's thinking, what? What do you mean that's not being done on this ship? We're going to fix that. But guess what? When he began to announce changes, guess who he credited with the ideas? Ah, his team, his crew. The sailors he heard them from. He didn't say, I'm going to make this change. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Ben. Great idea. I heard from these three sailors that we're going to implement. Gave them credit. And uh, it's not really surprising why 18 months later, morale had increased. But Nicole, when you introduced me, you didn't share this about me. I'm a farm boy from South Dakota. I like low hanging fruit. And one of the greatest things about leading with questions is so many of the greatest questions are so simple. What do you think? What else? What else? What else? And Captain Abershoff, what do you like best about this ship? I mean, you could use that in any organization with your staff. What do you like best about our, our company? What do you like least? What would you change if you could? And listen, and you're going to hear as a leader hear incredible things. But it's like those are questions all of us can use. 100%. 100%. I have a favorite question, a most amazing question that I have ever been asked. Would you like to know about that? Nicole. One of my favorite questions <laughs> to ask is, what is the greatest question you've ever been asked? So, Nicole, I am all ears on this. Okay, so I uh, got my coaching certificate way back in 2007, but when I finally got myself in a position to go back to school and uh, got my undergrad done, and I thought, oh, I got to get this master's degrees done, or I'll never read these big fat books and write all these papers. I'll just keep going. So I took another coaching course and I thought it's time to, you know, brush up your skills. It's been about 14 years. And so I took a class and it was uh, about executive coaching. And the uh, professor said, here's the first question I ask everybody in a coaching session. And the question is, what is it like to experience you? Mm. And I took that question. I put it in my toolbox. I put it in my pocket and I've been using it ever since. And Bob, it, it kind of pushes people back. They're like, oh, I've never been, I've never thought about that before. And um, you have to give them the eight seconds for sure, or longer, maybe the 30 seconds you were talking about to, to let them really think about what is it like to experience them? Because really as an executive, as a leader, people need to be aware of, you know, what's it like to be in the room with you? Because we can't get to the strategy if we don't like or appreciate or understand the leader in front of us. That, that's the first gate you got to get through wow. uh, in order to get the job done. So what do you think of my question? I got it from Kathleen O'Connor. I'll give her credit. That's her question. Nicole, I've written it down. It, it is a new question to me and I absolutely love it. And, and Nicole, I have, I have an instant request. Um, okay. I am always looking for guest post authors for my blog. And I would, maybe you've already written a blog post around this question, but I would absolutely love 
for you to do a guest post for my blog. Yes, I'm putting you on the spot. You can answer later. But uh, to share that question with all of my subscribers, it'd be fantastic. Absolutely love it. Okay, you, you've got it. I'll do it. I'll absolutely do it for sure. All right. Well, uh, let, let me ask you this question about leadership. You know, uh, I'm hearing clearly that we have to have these one-on-ones. Um, I, I don't think, again, back to your comment about the MBA programs, we're looking at strategy, but like there's the, the discipline of the execution you talked about from Covey's work, but like there's this whole idea of just being comfortable enough to sit down with people mm-hmm. and have a conversation, right? You've, you've got to be able to do that. Um, what are the biggest challenges facing leaders today and, and how might questions play into that? What, what do you see out there as you're working with different organizations uh, at Crew? What, what, what are they experiencing and how does your philosophy fit in? Nicole, another just fantastic question. My friend Cheryl Batchelder, who was CEO of Popeye's Chicken, wrote the book, Dare to Serve. And in her book, she asked, how well do you know your staff? And I think one of the challenges is is making staff feel valued, making them feel known is probably the word. And uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni in his book, Three Signs of a Miserable Job, said one of the signs is working somewhere where you're not known. They don't know your story. They may have a hard time remembering your first name. And uh, it's easy to leave a job like that. Well, back to uh, Cheryl Batchelder's book, she said, do you know the three or four events that have most shaped their lives? And when I heard that question, it has become one of my favorite questions is just asking, what are the three to four events that have most shaped your life? And Nicole, I'll never forget the first time I asked it. Uh, I was actually, uh, I just had read it out of the book. An hour later, I'm coaching one of my colleagues in Canada, who is the Associate Leadership Development Director. And I've known Neil since 2007. And I think I know his whole story. I just think it'll be interesting which of all the things he will say are the three or four. And I was wrong. Neil started by saying, well, Bob, have I, have I ever shared the story with you that my birth father died when I was nine months old? And I said, no, I no. don't know that story. He said, well, my mother you know, later remarried and the man who's really my stepfather is the man who in my heart is my dad. But he said, it's so often been shared with me, even recently again, that in the final weeks of my birth father's life, he knew he was dying. He was in a big bed at home. And every day he would ask to hold me. And as he would hold me, he would pray over me that God, the heavenly father would be a father to this little boy. And Neil began to have tears and I began to have tears. We were on Skype. And Neil said, Bob, I really believe that the first thing that marked my life the first event was my birth father's prayers. He said, I think I came to know Christ because of him, his prayers. He said, I think I serve him today because God honored his prayers. And, and I thought, wow, a relationship that was already good within like a few minutes went deeper. And uh, I assure people that every time you ask, the answer won't be as uh, emotional as that one was, but it's always fascinating. And so to ask a question that helps people to feel known 
Well, it solves that problem Lencioni said about working at a place where they don't know your story. So yeah, it's an effective leadership that I that I love to share with people. Yeah. And, you know, what I also kind of heard, like it, underneath that was like, if you do ask people that question, you're going to find out how resilient they are. And like one of the things we need in our chaotic VUCA world that we are in yes. is people who are resilient. And I think sometimes people forget that they're resilient. And if you ask them to recall times where they were resilient, though, oh, I am a resilient person. I, I can overcome big obstacles. Um, so I, I think that's wonderful. Uh, love it, love it, love it. Okay, well, we are about out of time and I'm, I might just have to have you come back and play with me again. I'll send you another prize in the mail. I, I probably won't have to, but I would. Uh, so let me ask you this question. If you were mentoring a single special listener right now, uh, a leader that really wants to do well, somebody who might want to get promoted, somebody who um, you know finds himself in a tough spot and wants to get out of it. What one piece of leadership advice would you give them? Leave our listeners with that one special piece of advice. Uh, President Kelvin Coolidge once said, no one ever listened themselves out of a job. To become a, a better listener, to listen to people, and of course, with that, at times, being curious, uh, asking them questions, but then listening. And, it, and it's all sorts of questions, but it's open questions. And kind of another version is, uh, here, here's a difference. Nicole, I could say, how was your day? Or I can say, Nicole, tell me about your day. Mm -hmm. And uh, seems so, so similar. But often when somebody says, how was your day? Oh, it was fine. Nicole, tell me about your day. Well, Nicole starts with breakfast and takes me all the way through. I'm going to hear so much more by just having said, tell me about your day. And so uh, those combinations, ask and listen. And, uh, and Nicole, something I've seen you do effectively just even in this interview, you picked out a word that I'd said and said, tell me more about that, expand on that. And uh, that's a great thing to do. Mm, awesome, awesome, I totally love it. And so uh, what, what you just shared, the part about tell me versus did you, uh, I, I absolutely adore that. And and what I say when I'm, I'm teaching people about asking good questions or how to coach their people, um, I call that an inquiry. You know, it's, it's more like inquiring minds want to know, right? Yeah. More deeply than a very simple answer. So I love tell me. That's actually my crutch phrase. When I can't think of the question I want to ask, I, I just tell me more about that. And, and people will definitely tell you more. Uh, I think, you know, uh, we were all so trained growing up. You know, I love what you said about you were, you were told to say please and thank you. I was too. And you're welcome and all that, you know, use your manners. Uh, I think, too, uh, we were kind of cautioned uh, as children sometimes to, you know, speak when you're spoken to um, and, you know, uh, you know, be very careful about dominating the conversation and that kind of thing. Um, so we kind of shut down. Right. Like if, if I'm going to ask you questions, you don't want to take up too much of my time. You know, so uh, so I don't want to you know expound on it. But like the more you say, what else? What else? What else? It's like, oh, this is, again, a safe place for me to really speak what's on my mind. Uh, dare I say that on my heart or in my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That I just really yeah. want to share. I want to be authentic. 
Um, so uh, I think that that all of your techniques you've shared are just absolute genius. So Bob, just to kind of tie a bow on this, will you tell everybody again where they can go and download all of these amazing tools that you've shared and then how they can find out more about you? Just go to my blog, leadingwithquestions.com. Just run those words together, leadingwithquestions.com. Uh, up at the top, you'll see a place where you can uh, click and it'll take you to the resource page where you can request the download of one or all of the resources in whatever language you prefer. And uh, while most of your listeners may prefer English, they may have friends, colleagues that would prefer uh, one of the uh, translated copies. But also then when you go there near the bottom is a place where you can subscribe and, and uh, join all my friends who every Monday and Thursday into their inbox comes what I call turnkey ready questions that you can immediately turn around to ask colleagues or staff or clients or, or prospects or friends or family and subscribing is free and you'll be joining leaders in 190 nations who are focused at improving their ability to lead with questions. Nicole, thank you. This has been just a fantastic conversation. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm so grateful to you, Bob. People, go to the website right now. Stop what you're doing, pull the car over, go to the website, download the, the downloadables and get the goodies in your email box. I have a little box in my mail client. It says Bob and I read it and I drag it over there. So I have it all organized. So when I need some good questions, I'm ready to go. Thank you so much for being here for the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Have a vibrant day. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique SHINE method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk. 